Oh boy, here we are. Episode 7, Season 5, Simplify and Multiply. You are here with me and Dr. Helen Turnbull. Let's get started. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Hello, Helen. Welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. I'm so happy to have you here, my fellow Floridian. (laughs) Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Terry. Great. Well, thanks for taking time out so we can talk about creativity and how it transforms your business. So before we kind of get into that topic, could you talk a little bit about yourself? And so our listener has an idea of your the work that you do and your global travel and how long you've been a speaker and a consultant and also your educational background, because you bring a lot of insight to the table with all of the training you've had in psychology, uh, uh, human development, organizational development. And I just think all of that just comes in so specifically helpful to the work that you do uh, around inclusion and all of that. So Great. Thank you. Well, um, I suppose I should start with my Scottish accent because you'll pick it up pretty quickly. I'm originally from Scotland, although I've lived in Florida since 1980. Uh, I started my um, career actually as a secretary typing, and then I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. Uh, So I then moved into HR and spent a few years working for BBC Television in the UK. And when I came here, I worked for RCA and HR. I moved quickly into the training and development and learning and OD space, which I really loved. That kind of felt right to me. And um, in 1985, I started my own business when RCA closed and they moved the, the managers to New Jersey. And I thought, no, hang on a minute. I didn't move to the I didn't move to the United States and Florida <laughs> to be transferred to New Jersey. No disrespect to New Jersey, but I wanted to stay in Florida where my family were. So I started my own company. And to be honest at the time, perhaps I was a little naive. I started with my final paycheck and um, a, a metal desk that I bought from somebody in a little room in my house and very fancy business cards that sat on the shelf. <laughs> envelopes, stationery and business cards with a silver logo that sat on a shelf for easily six months before I ever gave one to somebody, a business card. And in actual fact, the first time I handed them out were to strangers on airplanes, right? So it never gets you any business. But (laughs) luckily for me, my business did start. And um, and honestly, there's been bumps along the way. There always are. uh, But I've never looked back, you know, so Mm. it's been a great journey. Uh, now my credentials, I, I have um, I have two an undergraduate degree, two master's degrees, and a PhD, and they're all in in human behavior of some way, social psychology, 
um, organizational behavior in human systems. So they, they serve me well because they always take me to the next leading edge that makes mm. me think about my work. So. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, thank you for sharing that. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you have this conversation with me in this particular season was I really want to pry at how the aspects of the way we think the knee jerk, like sub, I don't know if it's subconscious or unconscious Unconscious. reactions that we have, because you talk a lot about that in your illusion of inclusion Mm -hmm. and how we have these behaviors that are just ingrained in our brains. We don't really even, we're not even aware that we're doing it. It's so knee jerk. And when I think about solopreneurs and having a business that we have full control over and full purview of, when it comes to creativity, what parts of those decision-making levers in the brain impact that positively and negatively when it comes to creativity and really keeping uh, the business going, fresh, relevant, exciting for the solo, you know, all those things. So that's really where I wanted to start yeah. and just kind of pick your brain on those those particular aspects of it. I, th- I think the biggest thing uh, in terms of the mind-body-brain connection with the solopreneur is actually fear. Um, mm. That, you know, we start our own business and most of us uh, work from home. So most of us are working in a small space in our home and um, don't always have other people to bounce their ideas off. And so creativity can get limited. doesn't necessarily have to, but it can. Uh, and that what, what stops us in many ways is our own anxiety. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's the amygdala, it's the fight flight. It's like, am I okay? Does, now that I'm sitting here alone running my own business, does anybody still love me? Um, because wow. when I was in an office, I could go and look for my friends and have a cup of coffee when I wasn't feeling like working. And um, you don't have that luxury when you, when you work alone. And you have to really find the discipline. You have to find your center. And I'll be honest, I've been working for myself now since 1985. And there are days even today uh, when I don't have that, that motivation. Uh, I've got work I know I need to do and I don't get to it. And now I love deadlines, so deadlines will motivate me. Uh, but I, I think that our socially constructed stories, which we all have, hold us back. So when I tell myself a story about my, um, I'm not important enough. I feel imposter syndrome is another one that can get mm. in our way. That I just got this big job. I, I can't believe what they're going to pay me. Um, am I really up to it? Will they find out that I'm not as good as they think I am? So, so there's a lot of ways that in reality, we're not living up to our potential. I don't think anyone lives up to the potential. Um, I tell you that um, in terms of speakers, uh, you and I both know, uh, Alan Weiss and uh, Randy mm-hmm. Gage and maybe Bill mm-hmm. Gates, whom we just talked about, who, who all, in my view, live up to their potential. They, they're constantly writing books. They're constantly reinventing themselves. And I, I told Alan Weiss recently, I want to be you when I grow up, you know. Uh, and, and I've been very <laughs> creative. It's not that I'm not creative. I mean, I've created um, and made revenue from three different online assessment tools Uh, that I can talk about later in terms of how they came about. But I I don't think any of us really um, pushes ourselves 
to um, to live up to our potential. And I think when we sit alone as a solopreneur, it's just too easy to um, to let that story take over. That you know, um, there's just me here. The phone isn't ringing. What do I have to do to get business? Um, now, once you become a successful solopreneur, I, I think the phone does ring or the, the emails start coming and you have to respond to that. But I would not, uh, I'd be lying to say that there aren't days that, that takes me right back to these first few weeks of thinking I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a solopreneur. And yeah, I was so solo that nobody knew I was there, basically. And, uh, and you have to find the energy and the, the passion I think solopreneurs will not succeed if they don't have passion for their topic uh, and something to offer to other people. I, I think the key to succeeding um, as when you work for yourself is a genuine passion to help others. You know, Bruce Raquel, who's a, a mutual colleague, always says it's all about them. It's not about you. And if you make mm. it about you, people quickly become bored. So if you don't have passion for your topic in a way that wants to help other people, um, you won't succeed. Yeah, and that's interesting what you say, make it about them, because that's what I tell all my clients about marketing messages and copywriting and everything. If you're talking about yourself, they're, you're going to lose them. Yeah. You need to talk about them and how you solve their problem yes. and that you have empathy and you get it and you've been in there and you've you know how to help them get out right. it's it's really remarkable how many you know prospects i have a conversation with and i look at their content and i look at what they're posting i look at their website i look at their one sheet or whatever pdf that they have out there and it's all about them and oh i was on this stage or oh i led this conference right. and right. like okay and, and right. why should i care right what's in it for me right yeah, but that's that's understandable and that that actually could even come from that place of insecurity as as a young business person. And um you know, and that's where you need real the right kind of of marketing direction and just branding in general. So you know where you're going. You've got to have a good strategy. But I want to get get back to some of the things that you talked about regarding fear, anxiety and you know that success. It's funny because I was just having a conversation with a colleague that I was uh, pitching, I mean, to be perfectly honest. And he's like, I have all the business I need. I'm at a point in my career where I don't really want to grow anything. He says, if anything, I want to simplify. And that's what I do. I help people simplify stuff. And, you know, a couple other things that basically made him very, I don't want to say ambivalent, but just very clear and aware of his current situation in business. He says his phone rings all the time and, you know, and he told me, he says, the proposal I gave him was exactly what he felt would work and that he would need. But he was, he, God bless him. He was so honest with me. And I love that. You know, it's like, just tell me it's OK. You know, we can part friends and support each other in other ways. And he said, I just don't really feel the need to get involved in doing anything right now because I'm good. You know, so there's always room for improvement. But it doesn't mean you have to improve. But that when you were talking about that, that made me think of that instance when I just I just had that conversation last week. But I want to get back to the psychology of that solopreneur and with the passion that you were talking about. And yes, I fully agree. If if you're not aligned and connected to your passion in such a way, like 
why did you get into business for yourself? You know, yeah, you might have been riffed out of a company or, you know, just decided to relocate for whatever reason you're on your own. And instead of getting another J-O-B, you decided to hang your shingle. And but what was behind that? Like, what was the engine in that? Obviously, you want to have some level of skill and experience and expertise in order to provide value. But what are some of the when you talk about stories, if if a solo enters into this or even in their first few years and they're still struggling, they're still trying to grow and, and get a sustainable income going and just get it figured out, basically, you know, it's it's all about sales and marketing in the beginning and providing really great service for referrals. But it's like when you're trying to remain connected with that passion and you're fighting the stories of imposter syndrome, am I good enough? How, you know, like my pipeline's all over the place. Am I going to get another gig? You know, X, Y, Z. What are some of the things that you can speak to to help them refresh and use creativity to rejuvenate the passion and maybe inject some things into their business so they can get excited about it again? Well, I think part of it is to just not sit alone and sulk. Um, you have to, you do have to get out. <laughs> I mean, there's no point. You, you don't pay your bills by having a pity party with yourself. So I, yes. I do think that you have to get out and network and you have to be honest with yourself. Is this something, I believe that solopreneurs need a very high tolerance for ambiguity because if you're mm. not willing to accept the the ups and downs and the you know the days when you're super busy and you think wow I've got all these clients and it's never going to end and the days when things slow down um, then mm. you if you can't tolerate that ambiguity you're not going to make it as a solopreneur and you might as yeah. well go back and as you said get a job um, and I, I know people who, who have done that, who said, Helen, this is not for me. I don't know how you do it. Um, and and it's not easy. You know, right now, today, we're facing the coronavirus. And mm -hmm. all, all businesses are wondering, how do we cope with this? What's going to happen? Or, or, you know, I saw today on Facebook in the national speakers that some of the my fellow speakers were talking about their conferences, their keynotes being canceled. That's a huge concern. So you can, mm -hmm. like the, the man you were talking to, can be super successful today and tomorrow for reasons outside of our control. We can suddenly, like the financial crisis in 2008, we can suddenly mm -hmm. find ourselves, even if we did everything right. So, so right. I think number one um, is accepting that these times come along and accepting that this too shall pass and looking for ways to cope with it. But getting, you know, I, I will allow myself to have pity parties. I will not allow myself to stay there. I mean, that, that's oh, the good. issue. The thing that, that for me, I say, all right, Helen, you've been here before, you've survived this before, so let's figure out what you have to do to get your energy back up. And you get your energy back up by reaching out to other people. I was just going to say, ask for help. Yeah. yeah Even just somebody to vent to so you can move past right, that, exactly, that sympathy. Exactly. So yeah. I don't think it's easy. I, look, I think we all have our pockets of complaints that, you know, if you're if you're a nine to five employee, you leave at the end of the day and you complain to your family or friends about you had a good day or a bad day, you hated your boss or you didn't, you know, somebody at work bothered you. We've all got that stuff. Uh, and yeah. I think solopreneurs have a different version of that. Um, so, you know, we're going to make up stories 
no matter what, because we're human and we're vulnerable. But the question mm -hmm. is, um, do you have enough interest and passion in your work to say, I can do this? I have something to offer the world. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, I wanted to do diversity and inclusion work. I wanted to do it because I realized very early on in my career that um, there were inequities. I could see them between um, on gender issues or race issues, culture, sexual orientation, etc. And I thought, what can I offer to that? What, what can I, how can I add to this conversation? The interesting thing when you do a PhD, uh, one of the first things you're told is that when you're looking for your dissertation topic, you have to think of yourself as standing on the shoulders of people who came before you and adding to the conversation. So what mm. are you adding to the conversation in your field of excellence? What is it you're bringing that would make people think, I need to listen to her. She's got something to say on this subject. And I wanted to do that. Uh, I really care deeply about making, um, helping people to see what the issues were and not walking around bumping into walls with their blind spots because we've all got them. And yeah. um, one of the other things I think you have to do is you have to look for, I'm a very abstract thinker. I'm very um, conceptual and I see patterns. So I, I can connect the dots from the things I'm seeing. And what I began to see is that no matter where in the world I worked, and I have six million air miles, so I've traveled all over the world doing this work. Yes, you have. <laughs> and um, so one of the things I began to see is that gender issues showed up in the same way, no matter where I was. Um, mm. Racial issues showed up in the same, sexual orientation did. It didn't matter where I was in the world. It didn't matter if it was San Francisco or New York or it was London or Australia um, or Hong Kong, that I could see the same issues and the same patterns. And, and functionally within organizations, what would differ is the, the industry I was talking to, the geography I was working in, but the overlying issues were always the same or similar. And I began to realize uh, two things. One is that I needed a way to help leaders to see that there were patterns uh, that, that were universal that even if you were a global company, that there were patterns that were universal. And that there were, yes, there are differences and we can tease these out, but they needed to see that there was a bigger issue there. And the other part they needed to see is that they had a part to play in this. And it was a bigger part than just saying, let's hire, um, let's tell HR to hire a diversity consultant and he or she can fix this problem for us. That actually mm -hmm. the leaders needed to see that their biases were impacting the decisions that were made in the organization, both individually and collectively. So the impact mm -hmm. of each individual leader and the impact of the, the collective leadership team and the decisions they made through their blind spots were, in fact, influencing how safe it was for diverse people to work in their organization. Because one of the wow. things I talk about is you can have a diverse workforce, but you may not have an inclusive workforce. Uh, and mm -hmm. so the subtlety of that, I write about that in my book, it is the complexity of inclusion. And so I say all of that to say that what that led me to was what do I need to do or bring to the table other than just talking about this to help people to see it. 
And that's when I developed the three assessment tools, um, mm -hmm. Cognizant on unconscious bias, the ISM on inclusion, and then the gender gap assessment. Um, I honestly didn't, I didn't develop them to make money. I didn't develop them for <laughs> passive income. I developed them because I wanted a way to help people to see what the issues were. And, you know, have I made money from them? Yes, I have. Uh, but that was a byproduct uh, to why, why they came about in the first place. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. I challenge you to be more creative in your business, to innovate, to simplify. But if you're thinking, oh, I'm not creative, or I don't have time to brainstorm ideas, or even my business is just fine the way it is, well, I'm gonna challenge those assumptions because they will kill your profitability. They're all stories and excuses preventing your business from being better, from running smarter, from being more satisfying and fulfilling for you. Wouldn't it be great if your brand, products, and processes were able to do more, to resonate with your target clients more effectively, to be a more personal experience for existing clients, to become relevant again instead of stale and dated? Yeah, I thought so. So if you'd like to pump some vitality back into your business using creativity, innovation, and simplification, book a free creativity call with me by visiting pappychat.com. Give your business the battery jump it needs to provide more stability and profitability. Get your free creativity call on the calendar now by visiting pappychat.com. Let's you and I brainstorm something amazing for you and your business. And, and I want to point out a couple things as you shared that story regarding creativity. You mind your passion to solve problems, to address things that you were seeing using your skills and talents and bringing to the attention of the people that you were there to help, the leaders, for example. And whatever blind spots or barriers or, you know, preconceived notions they had, like just, oh, let's just hire a consultant to come in and add diversity to our HR focus, <laughs> fix that. Right. What they found was that they that was stopping them from really seeing the pathway to the solution, which is what why you created this. So it was out of what I'm pointing out is it was out of your desire to solve the problem, your passion on the subject mm -hmm. to the point where you would go so deep to actually mine and figure out what are tools, because apparently they were non-existent if you created three of them, right? The assessments. And if an assessment when it's delivered, can provide uh, visibility into those blind spots and a pathway to, you know, that you facilitate, obviously, right. and an understanding, because it is not something that we all learn in business school. I mean, they may they may give you a, a diversity class in your MBA program, but for all intents and purposes, it's not something that we learn. It's something that we stumble upon and we kind of fall down the stairs backwards about because <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. So, I mean, first of all, nod to you for being out there, being that voice and being passionate about that enough to the point where you're driving those types of clarifications and solutions for your clients and audiences on stage. And so it's that creativity in what you did 
that I want my listener to really pick up on. It doesn't necessarily be because a lot of the guests I've, I have on this season talk about things you can do overtly to add creativity and innovation and new ideas to your business to freshen and, and make it more relevant and maybe even more profitable, right? Wow. It's nothing wrong with that. That's why we're in business. <laughs> and that's a perfect example of what you did, but you went into your expertise deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't think of that. You know, they may think of ways to adding products, adding complexity, taking advantage of maybe a market need to capture more revenue. Those types of things are very kind of, I don't want to say superficial because some of them are actually very valuable because it can expand the value that you're providing. But I think the way you approach this is, is something that people wouldn't give a second thought to in the context of creativity. That's right. I mean, I think that, that what I did came from the inside out, if you like, it is that yeah. I wasn't, I, I sometimes listen to people in our industry in the speaking business talking about having product to sell, things to sell at the back of the room, passive income. And and there are times over the years when I felt like a failure because I don't think like that. I don't just want to have product to sell. I'm not saying I don't want to make money because of course we do. And I'm happy to sell more of my assessments than I currently do. Uh, all I'm saying is that was never, that was not where I came from. Where I came right. from was playing around in my mind constantly with these issues that I kept seeing and thinking, how can I add to this? How do I add to the body of the conversation? How do I help leaders who are well-intentioned, uh, who don't know what their blind spots are? It's not like anybody I've ever met said, I'm going to work today to deliberately be exclusive. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not what was happening. People believed they were doing the right thing. They just had a limited uh, vision, uh, like the, they had peripheral vision. And what I wanted to do was to bring something to the table that would help them to see it differently. Now, I do not use my assessment tools with every client I'm working with, because uh, mm -hmm. that's the other thing I feel strongly about, because I'm, I'm, my background's in organizational development. I'm not going to sell the assessments to clients just because I have them. I'm only going to sell them if I feel the client wants them and if I feel it adds value. So value, I, I do yeah. keynotes that, that I use my research, but I don't try to sell the assessments. Um, now, I'm sure from a sales and marketing perspective that, that people like yourself say, well, Helen, you're, you're losing opportunity. You're right, I am. And at the same time, I, I cannot become that person uh, because for me, uh, everything starts almost from my heart. It says, is this yeah. client that I'm talking to interested in this? Is it going mm -hmm. to help that client? Or if it's yeah. not, then I'm just going to sound like a used car salesperson and I don't want to. So, no, so creativity and innovation yeah. you know, uh, are important to me. Um, and, you know, there are times when I think, oh, gosh, I should write another book or is there another assessment? You know, is there an e-learning program? I'm not averse to developing more product, but I, I want it to come from my gut. I want I want to know that I need it. So uh, and maybe, Terry, that's a unique approach to, to creativity. But if it doesn't speak to me, I won't put the energy into it. So I want to pull on that thread a little bit because I'm I'm fully on board with what you're saying about 
being aligned with it, having it come from deep within, because that's what's going to give you the fuel to drive it and to develop it, especially if it's a new aspect of your business or a way to serve your clients in a new and different way where you're not necessarily adding to your business or changing something major. See, a lot of people think this whole creativity and innovation means you got to come out of the box with fireworks and come up with this brand new thing. And it's like huge and it changes the world. No, it can be really, really subtle and just make your life that much better. So when it comes to being aligned and allowing that creativity to have life, and what are some of the things that either you do or that you could recommend from a human psychology standpoint for that solopreneur to consider as they're trying to tap that well from within that's connected to their passion as they think about their client or that, as you say, adding to the conversation of the area of their expertise? What are some things that they could do to help that help kind of bring that up? Hmm. I find that's a challenging question because I think um, the, the answer in a sense is is you have to you have to take stock yourself. You have to ask yourself, um, why am I in? Why am I working for myself? What is it I hope to accomplish? Um, am I really bringing something to the table that people need? You know, I, I've seen emerging speakers who have their own story to tell, uh, who want to write a mini book about it or want to speak about it. No disrespect, it's not interesting. I don't want to hear about your your life history. I, I want to know what it is you're saying to me that will help me. And so I, I mm -hmm. think that uh, in order to be uh, creative and innovative in your business, you honestly have to be um, looking for solutions for the client. Um, yeah. And if you're looking for solutions for yourself or to make you money, um, it won't work because the client will see you coming and they won't be interested. So uh, I'm, I'm maybe saying the same thing just a little differently. Uh, but for me, I believe that you know, unless unless you really at your core understand your business model enough, understand where your passion is going, understand that you're really interested in solving a problem for the client and, and that your listening ears are on. Uh, you know, mm. If you're doing most of the talking in front of the client, you've lost it and the client's yeah. not interested. So. I don't know if that's answering your question, but yeah, no, that's good. I like that. And you know, it actually made me think of how I came up with the name for my business. When I first got laid off of my job at Marriott, I just, you know, I, I just wanted to continue doing what I was doing in Marriott. And that was, you know, being the technician, right? Doing all the writing and the design and everything. And so I just called my business Terry Pappy Creative Services. It was about right. as original as possible, <laughs> it was right? Creative, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like there you go. Okay. I'm here. And then I would say probably three, four years into it, I started just like you were talking about. It's really kind of cool the parallels. I started seeing patterns in my clients, not their problems. They all kind of had pretty similar problems because I work in the business development space, right? And I solve it with communications. But what I was realizing was when I went to ask them questions about their customer, they didn't have good answers. They didn't have clear answers. They didn't have specific answers. And they were not really in touch with who their clients and customers were. And so one of my original products was doing qualitative research of their customers so they could learn <laughs> what their customers were really wanting. 
And it's a game changer. And so I was like, well, what I'm noticing is that they don't know who their customer is. So they need better understanding. Their marketing material is not professional. It's dated. Mm -hmm. It's X, Y, Z. So they need better communications. And because they don't know who their customer is, they're not communicating well, and they're spending a lot of money in, in ads and things like that, they're not getting referrals, right? So they need to make better relationships so they can get more wallet share, better referrals, and they spend less money on marketing. So that's where I came up with better, better three, better understanding, better communications, and better relationships. One feeds the other. Yeah. Understanding, so you know how to communicate communicating in a way and serving your clients. Mm -hmm. So they, you develop that relationship. Uh, so it's long lasting and you get that referral and it just feeds a nice circle. So that's where I came up with better three. Yeah. And, and, and that exemplifies what I'm talking about is that you, you evolved from saying, you know, Terry Pappy creative services into recognizing mm -hmm. what's going on with my clients. What do they need and how do yeah. I rename my business so that it speaks to them? Um, and I think that's that's key. I, I don't think you can be successfully creative if if yeah. it's all about you, you know. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it was a game changer for my business. I've been in business 15 years now, mm -hmm. and I got a ways to go to catch up to you, though, yeah. Helen. <laughs> it's just because I'm older. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, yeah, I I find that because I have that orientation now, every like all my products are developed based on. So it's like, it's cool to hear you say that story that you dug in because I, I, as I'm listening, I'm like, I guess I did that too. And that's why what I do is so powerful for my clients, not to sound braggadocious or anything, but it's really so much more effective. And here's the kicker. It's more satisfying yes, for me yes. because initially I felt more like a, you know, just like a tradesperson, like somebody hires me to write copy or, you know, they're just looking at me as a, um, a gigmeister, you know, someone who just does one aspect of a business, but doesn't help with strategy or the, the big picture or supporting that, you know, kind of like business emotional intelligence of that solopreneur. And this is my evolution. And it, it's benefited me just as much as it has uh, the people that I work with. And I love my business more today than I ever have, which especially because I do this podcast and get to talk to people like you. <laughs> yeah. And it's more synergistic and it's more satisfying and, and you're more, yes. um, you're more engaged with it. I think when you know you're making a difference in a real way. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, but you know, I, I I just want the to remind the listener to go back to the beginning where we were talking about anxiety and fear and imposter syndrome because every day a, a little bit of that pops up. You know, especially when I'm doing prospecting or reaching out to somebody cold because I have this thing about I don't want to bother anybody. I just want to be yeah. of service and right. <laughs> and it's but you have to do that in business mm -hmm. and that's just you know that's the conditioning that we have that we will probably always have and no matter what degree of mastery we have in our business, we still will have that story as you explained. So recognize that. I think it's important to give honor to it because it's part of who you are, yep. but don't allow it to run you. That's and right. I think you spoke a lot to yes. that. I was listening last night to uh, Jill Weinbanks, who, who was the one of the attorneys for Watergate. She just published a book called The Watergate Girl. And um, she was being interviewed and 
the comment was about how confident, oh, I think the, the interviewer was asking her, well, what was it like to be young and, and you know, get all the attention? And she was talking about the, the sexism that the male lawyers were spoken about differently, where they always talked about her as, well, Jill is wearing pink today. And before they ever said anything about her competence, they would always talk about her looks. And um, I, somehow the, the interviewer asked her about her confidence growing over the years. And she said, yes, it has. She said, but there are still days when that that little girl inside of me is still there, you know. Uh, and I thought, yep, it's, it's, it's there in all of us. Um, yeah, that's really honest that she shared that because it is true. I mean, it, it's in our brains. Yes. It's neural synapses that are, are, are the pathways that, you know, are just permanent. Yes. They're always there. They never go away. We just have to overwrite them. That's right. That's right. We, we have to get the, I think the thing I'm confident about is that even if I'm feeling insecure, that when I have to be on, the, the adrenaline kicks in, I know what to do and I can be there. Um, but if if you could read each other's minds, what's going on just ahead of that, we're not as confident as we look. Um, and yeah. we have to learn to live with both of these realities, you know. We, you, like you yeah. said, you can't live in this pity party space. You can't live in the imposter syndrome. You have to be able to go out there and excel. Uh, and yet, at the same time, just allow these pieces of yourself to, to just know they're there. You know, just don't stay in them for too long. And and above all, just allow yourself the space to go within and trust that you have value to offer yeah. and that you can create something that's really special, whether it's making your experience as a solopreneur better or it's bringing better service and value to your the people that you're serving. Yeah. And like we were saying, you know, it's just a, such a more enriching experience. And that's the great thing about being a solopreneur is we have the freedom and luxury to do that right. because we have nobody on our shoulder going, you can't be creative. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation, Helen. I've greatly appreciated your insights and love your story and love the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for being here. And we will definitely have you back on a future episode. Thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.